With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Part of the Belly Up Sports Network. Here are your hosts, Ken and Trevor. Trevor, how are you doing this morning? It's uh, it's it's been a while again since we uh, got behind the the microphones. Guys, shake some rust off potentially. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we say that at the start of every one of our episodes recently as well, recently as as recently as we've been able to record them. But I think, I think, fingers crossed, we're going to be able to, to start recording a little more frequently now. Back to school, summer's over. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a busy time. Then. The summertime is busy. You know, you got to, your kids are out of school. It's just uh, lots of traveling, lots of activities, things to do. I mean, we kind of, we were together last week for uh, hanging out at your place and kind of, we talked about bringing, you know, making, bringing the laptop and the, uh, the accoutrement to get it done and we, we didn't. And well, it, it kind of probably was for the best that we didn't try and record on <laughs> Sunday because. Uh, yeah, you know, what you did I have to do last <laughs> Sunday? I don't remember. Yeah, you kind of had to make a little impromptu trip up and back from Airdrie to Edmonton as uh, you had you had to play rescuer for uh, the oh, for right. myself, wife, and little guy. Is yeah, we had a lovely day on Saturday at the the Calgary Zoo. Um, our families again, you know, our, our friend Jeff and his kids, and spent a, a good time at the Calgary Zoo. And for those listeners that are in Calgary or around or plan on going to Calgary. Calgary Zoo was great. Check it out. It was such a blast. Um, but my car died. Car died two minutes after leaving the zoo. And uh, yeah, it's uh, stressful. But I, I will say I will give myself some kudos because um, I, I never once did lose my shit over that. And that is definitely a, um, I think, a shit losing worthy event. But luckily, everything yep. is under warranty. Um, you were close a couple times. Oh yeah, <laughs> I did very not, well too. The, the and, and I didn't poke the bear at all. Like that—that <laughs> that doesn't sound like me at all. So. Oh, never, never. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you if you don't poke the bear, Trevor, then I'd say something is wrong, and uh, we'd have to review that on a separate show, maybe with a therapist. 
but uh <laughs> yeah what, what a what a gong show the nice thing is it is covered under warranty i'm gonna have a five-year-old vehicle with a brand new engine and i will be getting reimbursed the tow charge which thank god i had ama because otherwise it would have been a lot worse than it was but yeah we talked about doing an actual face-to-face recording and you know didn't and it... <laughs> yeah that that failed epically yeah i mean we could have done it in the car i mean you know lucas slept the whole <laughs> way so i would have had to worry about crying in there yeah, i'm sure your wife would have appreciated that granted we more or less did an episode anyways we just shot the shit <laughs> yeah uh yeah so no it, it was good so yeah i mean we're gonna get back you know i think should be back to weekly recordings and we got uh some some Fun stuff coming up. We got uh, the NHL season is going to be starting soon. Uh, prospect camps are in session, and the NHL world is losing their collective minds over the fact that Connor Bedard scored three goals against essentially the same type of competition he saw in junior. Guys that may or may never see the light of day in the NHL, and they're all like, oh, is he going to get more than 30 goals this season? Guys, it's not NHL quality competition he's seeing right now. Enjoy it. Yes, there were nice goals, but it's going to be a lot different once he steps on an actual NHL rank ice. Um, we yeah, could also hockey... say CFL playoffs, but I have no interest in talking about the CFL this year. Well, I, I understand <laughs> that your team is uh, tied with uh, Edmonton for last year. in the West and they're only one game ahead of the worst team, the Ottawa Red Blacks, who in all honesty shouldn't have as bad of record as they do. That team is defensively sound they stopped, destroyed, killed the BC Lions run game last night. And uh, it, it took a massive CFL comeback for the Lions to get that collapse. W last night. It was it, poor decision call and calling on uh, Ottawa's partner that cost them. They were up a decent amount and decided to try and kick a 50-yard field goal which was missed and returned 125 yards to put the Lions within the striking distance. And they they erased a 19-point deficit with two minutes to go. So it's crazy. That's, the, it's crazy. that's the CFL for you. That's why you never leave a CFL game, whether you're in the stands or at home watching on TV. You stay till the end. You watch it until that final whistle goes because you never know. It was a great game to watch. It was frustrating. But but great. And uh, as we'll talk about in Jason Flight, baseball playoffs are coming up here, and you and I may or may not be excited. I may not be even if they do make it, but we'll get into that. Baseball playoffs, hockey, CFL playoffs, NFL is up and running. I'm one to know in fantasy football. Looking, hopefully, looking to go to two and zero this week. Just as it's, long as- it's a wonder. It's a wonderful time of the year. I think the only better time of the year, I think, is April. And that's just because it's NHL playoffs and baseball starting as opposed to vice versa. But this is this is WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah, WrestleMania, which is going to lead us into another topic today of ours. Some of our um, Mount Rushmore uh, wrestlers. Um, You know, why don't we just kind of get started on the show? We've kind of briefly alluded to it. Today's episode is we're going to do Jays in flight. We're going to talk Blue Jays coming off an ass kicking last weekend. But somehow they're now back in a playoff spot. But we have some grievances that we'd like to air about this team and kind of the outlook of the last, what, 15 games. And 
with the return of The Rock and John Cena on WWE SmackDown on the weekend, both you and I just decided, I think we need to do our Mount Rushmore of wrestlers and uh, probably some honorable mentions. But Ken, why don't you uh, why don't you kick things off for us? All right, so we're going to jump into Are You Kidding Me? Are You Kidding Me? is brought to you by Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com and use the code BELLYUP20 for 20% off all your grooming gear. Trevor, the NHL, we thought we were done with one with one thing we're going to talk about today, one person. Um, Mike Babcock. Yeah, so why, why don't you kick us off with that? Mike Babcock. That's, that's yeah. all we need to say. Uh, Ken, I was stunned when the Columbus Blue Jackets brought Mike Babcock back out of exilement in the NHL. He had three years left as contract. I think when they make the Leafs gas and they gassed him due to essentially bullying and, and just old school tactics, I think they like to call it. I, I'm just going to say being a prick, being an asshole, being a selfish piece of shit. Mike Babcock does not belong in the NHL. The Columbus Blue Jackets, for some godly unknown reason, like craziness, that's an are you kidding me on its own. Columbus Blue Jackets, are you kidding me? But anyways, they, they brought him back to be the head coach. And the season hasn't even begun yet. And I'm not convinced Mike Babcock's even going to make it to game one of the NHL season before being fired by the Columbus Blue Jackets. Mike Babcock, are you kidding me? Here's, for those that may not know, but everybody probably knows, Mike Babcock had some introductory meetings with some players, and in that he asked to see their personal cell phones, take pictures. They spun it as, we're learning about each other. Sure, I guess, but you can't just go and ask somebody for their phone. And then you display all their pictures on on a feed of some kind and deem it team building. No, this is, this is just Mike Babcock exerting his like dominance, his, his I'm better than you and you have to do what I tell you to mentality. Cause it's what he does. It's, it's all a show of power. Some of the blue jackets players, Boone Jenner, Johnny hockey, Johnny Goudreau kind of came out and said, yeah, I didn't think anything of it. I bad but kind of the you wonder if the organization told them to say that very like it just it, it struck me as odd that both the players were like oh I didn't see anything wrong with it well some of the players did some of the younger players no names but I'm assuming someone like Adam Fantilli was probably on that list they went to the NHLPA and said we weren't comfortable with this there's been an investigation and I don't think Mike Babcock, Mike Babcock, man, oh man, I smell, I sound like Don Cherry here. I don't know that Mike Babcock is is going to survive this because that's just kind of a no-no. And you're already, the NHLPA is already on high guard. The NHL is already on high guard with this asshole. And he didn't even get to, it's not even training camp yet. Yeah. And he didn't even get there and the team's already pissed. Uh, this is ridiculous. The guy's an asshole. I hope he gets fired. I hope he's gone. It, it, this actually very much reminds me of something recently that happened as well. Bill Peters getting rehired into the WHL. There's no, no place in hockey for Bill Peters. There's no place in hockey for Mike Babcock. Get these assholes out of here. 
They don't deserve to be there. This this is terrible. Shame on you, Columbus. Shame on you, Mike Babcock. Yeah, you know, if Johnny Hockey thought playing for Daryl Sutter was bad, I, I think he's in for a rude awakening because this is a this is on another level. Um and if, of course the team's gonna tell their captain Boone Jenner to go out there and spin this in a positive light and make it so that it's not a big deal. Uh, you you can't tell me that these guys enjoyed this or had you know were okay with it. If they were okay with it, there wouldn't be an NHLPA investigation. The NHLPA may have gotten word word of it, gone to the players and said, Hey, you guys cool with this? And if they all said yes, there'd be no investigation because there's no reason to investigate something that people have no issue with. The fact that they said they, they are investigating it says enough players had issue with it. Um, just figure out who they are through talking to them. You don't need to go through, like, what are you looking for? What are you trying to find? Like, it, it just, it's an invasion of privacy. Um, if your employer or my employer did that, it wouldn't fly either. So, but they don't want to see my camera roll. <laughs> All those scenes a bunch of <laughs> photos and nothing like, nothing disrespectful. It's funny memes and dirty memes. Like that's what they'll see on my camera yeah. roll. <laughs> so I, it's just, it's, it's dumb that we have to do this yet again. It just shows, there's a lot of things that show why the NHL is the four, number four league in the big four because they do a lot of stupid shit to themselves. They, I want to jump in quickly on that. They might even be number five behind major league soccer now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't, I don't know. It's, uh, it's one of those things that they, they're just, they keep shooting themselves in the foot with all these stupid things. You still got the, the hockey Canada scandal that hasn't been fully finished yet. And, it could have done it in the off season and been done with it, but no, we're potentially going to walk right into the season with the outcome of it. And rightfully so. I mean, like if these players were involved and they did what was, has been accused, which it sounds like, you know, there's, there's fire where the smoke is and uh, they, they rightfully should be suspended and, and done. But again, we're going to walk right into the season when there should be hype around a brand new NHL season. Um, and, and and it's not going to be about that. So it's frustrating. Um, there's no place for Mike Babcock. It, it, it's, I was extremely disappointed to see him get back into it. You know, Coach Q is not far behind now. If they reinstated Babs, they're going to reinstate Q. It, it's the way it is. All sins forgotten and forgiven, no matter how bad they are. So we're seeing it. Babs, Peters. They're, they're all coming back, and it's going to be the same old NHL. One thing I did appreciate, and, and I'm by no means a fan of the Spit and Chicklets podcast where this all erupted. I, one thing I did appreciate, though, is some of his Babcock's ex-players did come out and speak. Jay Rosehill pretty much like tore him a new one and just said, this guy's the biggest asshole on the face of the earth, and you know, you also heard from Mike Commodore. Obviously, there's you know well, <laughs> well known uh, beefs between those two, you know, guy, other players. Like just all over, the players pretty much came out and said, "Yeah, this is totally has happened." Like there is no hiding. No, the, the sad thing is, they're they're not even denying the fact that 
this happened. Even the Columbus Blue Jackets are saying, yeah, this happened, but it's the way they're spinning it to say of uh, how it happened and, and the manner of it. This shouldn't have just, this shouldn't have happened. Like, yeah, you're not allowed. That, that, this you is... can't ask somebody to see their cell phone. It's just, it's such a huge no-no in today's world. You can't do that. That that's a significant invasion of privacy. And whether the players were okay with it or not, that doesn't matter. I don't yeah. care if Johnny Goudreau was okay with it. That doesn't matter. You can't do that. I I have a staff of roughly fifteen that report directly to me. I can't go. Hey, can I see your cell phones? I would lose my job immediately if I did that. Yeah, insane. Well- it's hockey culture 101, right? The ones that are speaking out and talking about what he's done are the ones that have nothing to lose anymore. The ones that have things to lose are the ones that are, oh, well, it wasn't that bad. And maybe Johnny Goudreau doesn't mind because he's probably got five photos on his phone. The guy looks like he has the personality of a mop. But it, it just it's one of those things that you can't do it. But it's hockey culture 101, right? It is. Because... You can't speak out of the wrongdoings. We saw we saw what happened. Akeem Alou spoke out about what Bill Peters did to him, and Akeem Alou's career career was just submarined. It was tanked. He he was done, right? Um, Kyle Beach is another one, right? Like the the shit he went through and had to hide and affected him and rightfully so in his career. He got blacklisted. He oh he's a problem player. Oh he's not as good as he we thought he was. Well, no shit, right? Like, look what happened to him. But, yeah, it's frustrating that, again, we're having to talk about something like this with the game of hockey when we should just be excited that the season is coming to a start and my Canucks prospects beat the hell out of your Flames prospects 7-1 to in Game 1 of the Young Stars Tournament. Yeah. <laughs> under under things that don't count and who cares except for these moments right now um uh, well why don't we move on ken yeah <laughs> to I, things I, that we do care about well i was gonna say i, I wanted to well i was gonna try we were gonna record maybe last week whatever it was and i wanted to bring up the angels and have a conversation around them but the angels organization is just an entire are you kidding me in itself just the way they've been run the way they've been wasting talent like Mike Trout and Shohei Otani and what they did to bolster their lineup and the second they were out of it try to kept putting these guys on waivers to get rid of them and this franchise is just it, it was it was John that said they're giving the Arizona Coyotes a run for their money for worst organization <laughs> in sports um but one one quick thing you you brought up MLS which got me thinking about another one Lionel Messi playing in the MLS. Everyone's making such a big deal about how great he is. Like he's great. Don't he he is like if you're gonna do a Mount Rushmore soccer players, he's one of the first first guys to go up there. But in my opinion, this is like Connor McDavid today going back and playing in the OHL, WHL, or the Q and racking up. 500 goals a season like Messi might do in the MLS. (laughs) He is so far above the competition. The MLS is not bad soccer. Is it one of the top leagues in the world? No. Like most of the time you see the top players, Messi caliber-esque and lower, go there when their career is done in Europe. 
and they're not going to get that big shining moment there. They've done everything they can. We saw it with Abram Hamovich. Um, David Beckham came over at the end of his career, things like that. Beckham owns uh, uh, Miami FC where Messi's playing. It just it's too it's too easy for him, and and it is impressive what he's doing, and it is. But in all honesty, he is so far above the rest of the competition in that league that uh, it's hard to say. Wow, this is so great! It's like if Messi doesn't do this, then that's actually a problem. So it was just one of those things that was kind of fell into the "Are you kidding me?" Like you can't make that big a hype about it because he is at the end of his career, and he has nothing left to win he's won it all so the mls is closer to his home in argentina i guess and shorter flights but it's not the same competition that he was facing playing over in spain or france and things like that so the messy train is always going to be golden but let's not uh put turbo boosters on his mls time here yeah i think that's that's fair i I think a really good comparison would be Barry Bonds having been playing double triple A ball in the peak of his <laughs> steroid era. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, though no, it uh it's insane what he's doing, go, but were you gonna go back to Shoei Otani at all or yeah, I mean we can we can talk about that. Like it's over this weekend his locker was cleaned out all of a sudden and there was no news about it, and then all of a sudden comes out he's out for the rest of the season with an oblique injury. It's just very odd that he cleaned out his locker and yet is there today with the team in the dugout. It just he's Apparently it's fairly doing... common that players that get season ending injuries will clear out their lockers. I don't think I think more was being made of it just because it was his name and it was just kind of this official, yeah, he's done. He's done as an angel. I think it was more a, a bigger a bigger thing because of that as opposed to the fact that he cleaned out his locker, but it's, got... the, the Angels have just this whole it's a debacle. This whole Shoei Otani thing, Mike Trout, like they've had him what five, six seasons. The Angels have never finished above third in that division in the AL West. They finished fourth, I think, four or five times. Nice, they did finish with third. They didn't even get to second. Like they didn't even come close. Yeah. You've got two of the best players in baseball on your team, if not the two best players in baseball. Now, to be fair, Mike Trout couldn't play 162 games of his life, depended on it. The guy gets hurt so often. But, you know, I, I look at it, I, I, I'm going to compare them to the Edmonton Oilers. You've got two of the best players in hockey playing with the Edmonton Oilers. At least they can make the playoffs. At least they win a round or two or win some games. Like Finally, finally they are. Finally, but yeah, but they, they'll be good for probably two or three years now. The Anaheim Angels, and they haven't even had a sniff. They haven't even no. had a sniff. Mike Trost played one playoff game close. in his career. Yeah. One of the greatest players to ever play. One playoff game. That's it. It's just There's something wrong with that organization. And I don't know if it is the mix of the players. Maybe Mike Trout's a terrible human being and nobody wants to win for him. I'm, not, I'm just spitballing. I'm not saying that's the truth. Maybe he's the problem. Maybe that's why. But... Well, there I don't think being injured all the time. There. Yeah, like, when, yeah when, you're, when you're trying to carry an entire organization on your shoulders for 162 games for, you know, the last, what, 10, 12 years, of course you're going to get hurt. The guy's been doing it since he was, what, 18, 19 years old? Yeah. He came in with the hype. He lived up to the hype. Uh, and he's been 
one of the best players in baseball. But when everything relies on you to get it done, yeah, he's going to get hurt. Like he, I, there isn't a player in sports. Well, if I, I mean, I really have to think about this one, but right now at the top of my head, there's no one I feel more sorry for than Mike Trout and have to go through this garbage year in, year out. And oh, we're going to beef up and get Mike Trout help. It never comes. It never shows up. But even when they did, they got him the best baseball player in the world. It still didn't matter. They went and got Mike Trout, Joey Otani, and it didn't matter. Here's the saddest thing of all. The memory of those two that anybody will ever have will be them facing off against each other at the World Baseball Classic and Otani striking out Trout to win it all. The, the teammates, and that will be the moment that they are most remembered for together. Yeah. is not even Anaheim Angels related. Disappointing. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of sad because I remember as a kid growing up when the uh, Vancouver Canadians with the AAA Farm Club of the Angels, and I got to see, you know, all the, the future MLBers play. Like I saw Jim Edmonds, Tim Salmon, JT Snow – all those guys play in Vancouver and then actually got to see them play in Anaheim one game in a preseason against the Dodgers. Um, yeah, it's kind of sad to see how far they've kind of fallen off from where they were and the fact that they, they have these two great players and to the point where Otani has to play every game. He has to pitch or he has to DH or play first base, not because he can, but because he has to for this team to have any chance of existing in the standings what do you think um the chance that both of them are back next year like i'm pretty sure we're pretty resigned to the fact that otani's gonna leave but do you think mike trump's back or do you think the angels finally say to hell with this and do it and do what they should have done this trade deadline and and traded for future angels well i the Arizona Coyotes have a better chance of winning the Stanley Cup than um, Otani and Trout being back with the with the Angels next year. Trout will leave, but it, it's going to be on his own terms because the ownership group has said they're opening they're open to move Trout if that's what he wants. So if Trout goes in and says, "I'm done, I want out, move me," they'll move him. But if he doesn't, then they won't because. He is the only draw, the only thing you have bringing you in any money. Jersey sales, ticket sales, you're still going to go pay to see Mike Trout when he plays. So why would you willingly move your top moneymaker? So if he moves, which I think he will, I think he has to to be tired of, they're not even mediocre. Like he has to be tired of it. He has like as a professional athlete, you can give all you can to an organization, but if that organization is not returning it, why would you stay? So they're, they're not even mediocre. <laughs> that might be one of the best words I've ever heard. Oh, uh, wow! Like they would strive well, to be mediocre. Like it's brutal. It's just absolutely brutal. So I don't think either one are back opening day next season. I, and I really hope for their sakes that they're not. 
Uh, like obviously Otani's out of contract, so good for him. He can move on. Um, he looked great in a Blue Jays uniform, but oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's uh, either one would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't complain. But uh, well, yeah, I don't I think know either, both then. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think either one are back. It's slim to none. What What do you think? I I don't think either are back. I think Trout's had enough. I think he'll just be like, please, I'm done. Like. The minute Otani's gone, like what is there left for him there? He's he's given his heart and soul to that organization, gotten nothing out of it. So yeah, at some point it's just like give me give me out of here. Just end it. Yep. But yeah, that's our are you kidding me for this week? A lot of stuff kind of covered off. Um, let us know what you think on X. Are we calling it X now? Is it? Is I don't it know. Twitter. I, it'll always be Twitter to me. Yeah. Well, you know, you know where to find us on X, but not on X, not ecstasy, you know, no drugs. Uh, find us on X, formerly known as Twitter. Trevor's at the BleachCon 1. I'm at the BleachCon 2. Uh, Trevor, I know you sent me the clip just as I was watching it on Friday night. Uh, <laughs> I, I've been watching wrestling for the probably last, I don't know, couple of years just because I got back into it and it's some of that mindless entertainment on Monday and Friday nights. And while we're having to get Sportsnet now to watch my Canucks, I get all the pay-per-views. So why not? I've been watching for a while and it's been entertaining, but Friday night, I don't think there has been a bigger crowd pop for what happened in the opening segment. It was the return of the rock. He came back and it was just, explosive like this the clip has been watched we're recording sunday this happened friday night and in that time the clip has been viewed over a hundred million times that's what the rock means to wrestling he is still a massive draw that people want the people's champ and i thought pat mcafee did a great job with uh Austin theory on building up the the rock coming out and uh it was just fun it was awesome just it was great I it's I actually don't watch wrestling I used to watch it all the time I you know I'll throw it on if there's nothing on and the minute that I saw that the rock was on wrestling I was like what? like you know I, I was like this shitty blue jays game where's the remote like, I gotta watch wrestling <laughs> <laughs> yeah it uh and, and, then, and then john cena back later in the episode and, and you know they embraced with this actual and you could tell it was a genuine friend happy to see each other handshake and a hug like you're home it was i'm not a wrestler i'm not even a wrestling fan anymore and this was just huge i was like i'm texting my wife and my kids and i'm like no, back. That's like, it's insane. like it's, it's so huge. Yeah. Well, and the nice thing is, like, Cena's been back probably three-ish weeks now for John Cena because he's coming back. He's doing about a two-plus-month run that's kind of been reported right now. He hosted uh, uh, the last pay-per-view payback on September 2nd. He was a guest referee in that. Uh, they might be lining up a bit of a storyline with him and Solo Sokoa, part of the bloodline. Um, 
which is funny because Solo Sokoa is Umaga's uh, son, and so are the the Usos are Umaga's uh, twins as well. But it was like I think Royal Rumble this year, coming up in January, will mark twenty years ago that um, John Cena faced off against Umaga. So they're kind of questioning whether they're going to build some storyline leading up from now until then to have like kind of like a anniversary type thing where 20 years ago Cena faced the dad now he's facing the youngest son um I mean minus the hairline he's he's losing a little up on top there but John Cena is still in wrestling shape he he still can do it um and the cool thing is is he's there and he he's doing what a lot of guys sometimes don't in wrestling he's putting over the younger talent he's had a couple matches he he wrestles at least maybe one time a year to make, make sure he has at least one match a year kind of thing over the past 20 years and, and he faced austin theory i think it was wrestlemania and he lost to him for the like, theory was the uh united states champion but it helped put theory over as a guy like you know he's a young guy he's going to probably be a bit of the future um roster coming up but he's doing that kind of stuff he's putting people over and it, it's really cool to see but it's funny you get these guys that come back and the crowd just goes nuts right it, it there was a time and i'm gonna kind of say pre-covid-esque kind of when i wasn't watching as you know every monday and friday night but where it really was only good when the old guys came back. When Triple H would get in the ring for the odd time. When Shawn Michaels would be back out there. When DX would all show up. That's when you would get those big pops. Otherwise, it was a little stale. And I stopped watching for the longest time because it kind of got old. They didn't have that. There was no competition for them. So they didn't have to really try and stay on top. Because it didn't matter what they did. They were the top of the pile. There was no one else on TV. AEW's come in and I've I don't watch much really at all of it because what I have seen I was not impressed at all and they've given a lot of younger guys from that are people from New Japan wrestling and other indie type uh promotions that are you know the name a little bit but they've never been big or on TV giving those guys a shot but then they're also going out and signing every guy that's been released, every guy or woman that's been released by WWE, and you can see why they were released. They're they're not that good, or they're done. They, they're signing a lot of guys who are older, or you know, like uh, Christian is now on AEW. That's Christian Christian Cage, uh, which is a his name from TNA Impact. He's not just Christian; he's Christian Cage, and they're trying to live off of those old names now. And it's not working for them. The, the wrestling's sloppy. The production value is not good. WWE now is, and again, that top of the mountain They're wrestling promotion. Again. And so much better than everything else that's out there right now. Um, I thoroughly enjoy watching the wrestling again. It's to the point where the storylines are decent enough that when I watch, the wife is usually on her phone, on her iPad, reading whatever. But now she's into the what's going on on Friday night with the bloodline storyline and and the Usos and things like that and um, she's always asking and things so it, it, it's it's funny it uh, 
I thoroughly enjoy it. I, it's fun to watch again, and it never will get old when the big names come back. So that's going to lead us into kind of the, the topic of this segment. And, you know, The Rock is back. And it's huge. Just huge. Like, it has hundreds of millions of views on whatever the hell platform we want to call it. I'm going to call it Twitter. Hundreds of millions of views. And that got us thinking, Ken, you and I, as you said, you're more into it now than I am. But both in, in time, you and I have been huge wrestling fans. So we came up with the idea. We got to do our Mount Rushmore of wrestlers. Now, in doing some research on this, I, I had a hell of a time. I had a hell of a time coming up when you said only four. And I was like, that's not nearly enough. So <laughs> we're going to do a few honorable mentions. Because let's face it, for any wrestling fans out there, there's dozens of like wrestlers who have made such a huge impact to the entire, just the wrestling industry that I don't know that you can narrow it down to four. I have, I have, but grudgingly, I have, and you have as well. But Ken, why don't we why don't we start off with who's some of your honorable mentions? Oh, I, honorable mentions. I think for myself, and I, I'm probably going to leave a name off that a lot of people would say. Oh, how how could you leave out leave them off? And I'll get to that in a bit. But my honorable mentions are probably Ric Flair. You know for his longevity and what he did and everything like that, how influential he was. Ric Flair would be an honorable mention. Like he's not far in the back of the line to have had his face chiseled in into the mountain. Um, for me, Edge. Edge is another one that would probably get Edge. Honorable, Edge, honorable mentions. Yeah. Wow. Um, I'm just trying to think like guys like, Ah, it's tough. Oh, I had names. I had names. Triple H, Shawn Michaels, uh, would get honorable mentions in there. Again, yeah, same, same for me. They're not tough, on my list. Tough to tough to leave them off, honestly. But I did I did find a uh, a workaround for that a little bit, which I'll, yeah. I'll get to after. <laughs> but uh, see, this just goes to how difficult this was. It was like we got to get them on the list somehow. Yeah. So it's funny like, that you mentioned Ric Flair, and I'm actually I want to jump in there because he's not on my list. He's 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 not even on my honorable mentions. I was never a huge Ric Flair fan. I actually did a couple. I looked at a couple of websites just for kind of like all time rankings. One of them had him number one as the most influential wrestler of all time. And so when it was the minute you said Ric Flair, I was kind of like, you know, that's funny you say that because I myself wasn't the biggest Ric Flair fan, but he is. He's been around forever and such a game changer. Yeah, and it's not so much that um a fan of, right? It's just like I'm, I'm not a huge Ric Flair fan. I never got pumped whenever he came out, but you got to give him his due. Like the guy's been around forever. He's influenced a lot. Same with like a guy like Dusty Rhodes. He would be in there too. Like his two kids wrestled, Cody and uh well Gold uh, Dustin. Uh Gold. Yeah, gold dust. Yeah, um, they, his family, his you know, is still kicking around. And Dusty uh, trained a lot of today's superstars at uh, at the performance center. 
he, his hand is is thoroughly still in the WWE with who he's trained. Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, the big names today, champions, were trained by Dusty Rhodes. Uh, Bret Hart is an honorable mention. Um, actually, I'll, I'll jump in. I'll jump in right now. Bret Hart's actually one of my honorable mentions as well. He didn't make my Mount Rushmore. Calgary kid. He's from Calgary. The entire Hart Foundation. Stu Hart has trained how many professional wrestlers over the course of his lifetime and in, in, in the dungeon in Calgary at, at Hart Mansion. So yeah, I've got Bret the Hitman Hart. I wanted to put him on my Mount Rushmore. I couldn't, but understandable. The guy was one of the best technical wrestlers ever. His brother, Owen, unfortunately died tragically in, in an accident, was probably one of the best actual just straight-up wrestlers for wrestling capabilities. Owen Hart was right up there at the top, if not the top of the best of the best in actual technical wrestling capabilities. Yeah. Well, who else is on your your honorable mentions that we haven't talked about yet? Honorable mentions. Uh, I've got sorry, Brett the Hitman Hart, Brock Lesnar. Uh, again, I wanted to put him on the list. Yeah, didn't doesn't wrestle enough. He's kind of in and out, in and out. But when he does come back, like he's he he automatically comes back. It's very Rock esque where he comes back and it's like all automatically he's the number one contender to everything, and he's the guy that everybody wants to be. He he was. Just a beast. When he got in the ring, like his presence in the ring was outstanding. So honorable mentions got to go to Brock Lesnar, Brett the Hitman Hart, The Undertaker. Ooh, you honorable about mentions? He, he, not on my list. I'm assuming he oh. may be on yours. Again, we had to put this top four. So The Undertaker's not actually on my list of Mount Rushmore's. Though he probably should be. But again, you maybe go four. Like his his record in in WrestleMania, his presence, his entrance, like Undertaker was the whole package. And I got one more that I actually really wanted to put on my Mount Rushmore, and this was more because he changed the landscape of wrestling. He legitimized WCW to come up against WWE, and really made it a force. And that's Bill Goldberg. Goldberg changed wrestling to me where he he became such a superstar on WCW for his time when he, they first launched him like his undefeated string and all that his entrance like the him coming out to the sparks around him like he was a showman that changed WCW in my opinion and really really legitimized it to go against WWF WWF eventually had to get Bill Goldberg as they were getting their exodus. So guys go back and forth. But to me, he's the guy that really kickstarted that whole uh, Vince McMahon and uh, against WCW storyline that went on for decades. That to me was started by Bill Goldberg. So that that one that's probably the only one I would disagree with you on. Like, I don't know, like, Gold, for me, Goldberg doesn't even make my honorable mentions. Like, that's, that's a he was I, huge. He was, like, I remember as a kid, it would be a Saturday afternoon show, and it would be Bill, I didn't even watch WCW, I didn't even care about it, but I knew Bill Goldberg was wrestling, I was like, I gotta watch him wrestle. 
So to me, he's the one that legitimized WCW as a real wrestling promotion and put and started its ascent to be almost 50-50 to WWE. He started that. Yeah, I would at give, least from my perspective. I think I would give Bischoff more of a credit for that. I think when Bischoff kind of went got into WCW and became more prominent in, in the writing and how things are going, I think because you could see that when he came to WWE as well, Bischoff was kind of, he was a mind and Paul Heyman as well with ECW. Yep. Uh, and then Paul Heyman as a head writer for WWE and what he's doing now when he was Lesnar's guy. And now he's Roman Reigns' guy. Um, I don't know. I was just never a big Goldberg fan. I thought his wrestling was pretty. I liked him. I, I liked that character. Yeah. Always but did. So I see like Goldberg didn't even cross my mind. And I don't, he just seen something about it. Didn't really stand out for me. Like Holland Nash, when they left WWE and went to WCW, and then you had the beginning of the NWO, you had Hogan go over. Um, yeah. But why were any of these guys ever in a position to go over was because the promotion had finally become big enough to start attracting some of that stars. And to me, it was Goldberg with Bischoff that legitimized it to the fact that guys like Hulk Hogan could go over there because it was a legitimate operation. He was the first real superstar that they, like, that was huge. And I would say he was the first superstar that WWE is like, yeah, we have to get that guy from him. I think, yeah, I think... I know. I think Booker was WCW before WWE. Yeah, but Booker T isn't that big. Like, no, no, no. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like, I'm talking about homegrown talent that WCW had, because a lot of their guys, like Disco Inferno and all, like those guys that they had, could never cut it in WWE. Even when the merger happened, guys like Buff Bagwell and others, they never got over. They never, they never could hang with the guys in WWE. Goldberg, yes, might have been their biggest homegrown talent. But I think he, yeah, I, I I still think guys like Kevin Nash and Scott Hall were were bigger than But I think they were Goldberg. too. I just, but I, I prefaced him with, he changed the landscape. His yeah. superstardom changed the landscape of wrestling. That's why, I, I'm not saying he was the greatest wrestler. I think... Just his, he changed the way modern wrestling became because you all of a sudden had two promotions going head to head. You never had that before. WWF never had any competition yeah. until, and that's why I say he potentially belongs in there is because he started that and he changed the landscape. Well, and the Monday Night Wars were insane because you had WCW going out and telling people that. Hey, mankind's winning the championship on Raw tonight, right? And they they did that. They they told people that he was going to win the championship that <laughs> and he did. And so the, the Monday Night Wars were insane. You know, DX showing up at a WCW event in a tank, like you know, mini tank, and outside their doors, and it was just crazy. Um, and yeah, like you got to look at it. guys like Heyman, Bischoff, McMahon. Um, those you, guys you just 
you just said a name that I didn't even cross my mind as the Mount Rushmore of wrestling. He is wrestling, Vince McMahon. Like I didn't even I didn't even think of him as yeah. a he he's he should be on everybody's list because he is wrestling. So anyway, continue on. Thanks. Yeah, no, it's just uh it, it's interesting. Like, I mean, and I don't know, maybe he's on yours, but like for me, I didn't put Hogan on there. He probably belongs on honorable mentions or the or the Mount Rushmore itself, but just some of his outside of wrestling issues and racist tyrants. Yeah, um, yeah, I can see that. Makes it a little tough to say, you know, like if you you want to be able to separate the two, but you can't. It's still the person, right? Um, Hogan is a character. Terry Bellina is a the person, but it, everyone knows him as Hulk Hogan. So you kind of, regardless, you don't separate the two. Um, okay, well, why why do we start our actual list? And I get to start my list with Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Hulk Hogan did to the for WWF what Bill Goldberg did for WCW. He was the first legitimate absolute superstar in the World Wrestling Federation. You couldn't go anywhere. And everybody in the world knows who Hulk Hogan is. Everybody knew. Every kid wanted the long blonde hair. They wanted the, he started the merchandising. He yeah. started the toys. The everything came. He made it mainstream. Hulk Hogan. He, it, perfect. He made it mainstream. Hulk Hogan is wrestling. Hulk Hogan will always be wrestling. Right. Terry, that's another story. Terry, yeah. different guy. Hulk Hogan is wrestling. Hulk Hogan should be on everybody's Mount Rushmore of wrestling because he is wrestling. He started it. He mainstreamed it. Every kid would like the the uh, the earwear, the the hand rolling, listening yeah. to the crowd. The now Hulk Hogan was a terrible wrestler. Let's not oh, yes. like, let's <laughs> not get around. His wrestling skills are atrocious. I the best like, line I heard. I could run was, from one side of the ring to the other and do a leg drop. Like, well, I, I remember someone did an interview saying, and the guy's like, my, my he's like, my 85-year-old grandmother could kick out of a leg drop, right? Like it was he it was not for his skill. I mean, of course, back then the styles have grown from his day to today, the guys like that could not hang with how athletic these guys are now. I mean, these guys are jumping over the top rope in a leap and flying over out of the ring. It, it's it's insane. But yeah, I mean, like what Hulk Hogan did, yeah, he does belong there. I just had a hard time with it. Uh, I can't believe you talk about Hulk Hogan and there's a name that I forgot that absolutely needs an honorable mention and probably belongs on some that's Andre the Giant. So Ken, who's I'll go again. Yeah. <laughs> Number two on my Mount Rushmore is Andre the Giant. Like he was the first heel. Wrestling changed because of Andre the Giant. He was the first larger than life character. He led to guys like Yokozuna being allowed to be in wrestling, the big show. Hell, even a guy like Kevin Nash. Like you, Earthquake. It was out Earthquake. Uh Bam Bam Bigelow. Uh, uh, Vader. Big show. Like how many big show? Like how many guys were allowed to go were 
looked at for wrestling because of Andre the Giant. Someone who's literally larger than life. Andre the Giant also was the first heel. He was the first real true heel where they built storylines around Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. And all of a sudden you had good versus bad. And that became Sergeant Slaughter versus the Iron Sheik. That became, you know, every, everything. The good versus the bad. Andre the Giant started that. He was the very first heel. And I, WrestleMania 3, that is probably still the greatest WrestleMania ever because it legitimized wrestling. You had what? <laughs> 80,000 people at the Silverdome, like you'd never seen anything. It, those Hogan and Andre the Giant, that feud made wrestling a spectacle. And that's what wrestling is supposed to be a spectacle. Yeah. That started it. So, well, and Andre the Giant was Andre, also, he was also great in The Princess Bride. Like, let's not forget yeah. that. <laughs> the, the, the movie star crossovers, Andre yeah. the Giant did it. One first. of the first. Yeah. One of the first. So, you talk about a name you literally just thought of. He's on my Mount Rushmore. So. And that's how tough this Hogan, list is. Hogan, exactly. That tells you, because you probably know who my last two are, how many big names I had to leave out. Hogan, Andre the Giant, those two, just they made wrestling what it is today. And it's evolved from their initial feud. I remember that first time Hogan actually got the body slam on Andre the Giant and Vince McMahon going nuts in the broadcast. The booth was that that's wrestling history. That's one of the most iconic moments ever in wrestling. Yeah. And I think like one of the whole things with wrestling too is like when you talk about these guys and the the honorable mentions and the 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 guys that are on your Mount Rushmore, it's like what do they bring to the to the fans? Like what are the the connection with the fans? You know, I brought up Edge as a honorable mention. I did find a way to get him on a um, Mount Rushmore kind of, but like you edges return at the rumble uh, in a couple years ago. It's just a pop that feeling those guys give you when they come back, they come through the curtain. That's what this is all about. And I think I'll, I'll take two here. Cause I'm pretty sure they're not on yours. Um, I'll start with my first one undertaker. Exactly. Like you had him as an honorable mention. And I was just floored. Like the Undertaker is so influential to the roster when he was there, and I think still is highly respected by everyone in that locker room. Uh, the stories of how if you had issue in the locker room with something, you went to Taker was the judge, jury, and executioner of handing out rulings in the locker room to get things under control. His career was just incredible. The WrestleMania streak, insane. Um, you, you like outside of the Brock Lesnar one, you still thought he was going to win that. I think you know to have had the Taker go uh, undefeated at WrestleMania would have been huge and well deserved for what he did. But to pass the torch, put a guy over like Brock Lesnar in that moment. Was huge because at the time, the Undertaker wasn't wrestling much. He would be, you know, a couple things, show up for WrestleMania. It was coming to the end, and that there was the passing of the torch to the next big thing. And he's just he's absolutely huge. 
I think some of my funny, funniest Undertaker stories that I love to see is when guys tried to break him in the ring or backstage and in, in filming for an interview kind of thing to try and make him laugh and smile. And Austin had him a couple times. Um, Brock Lesnar in that match tried to get him to laugh and and they they had to try, try to get him to do a spinner Rooney at the end of a Raw one night in a taping and uh, it, it didn't work out well. <laughs> Even McMahon came out and did a spinner Rooney. But for me, Taker is one of the guys that is absolutely going to be on my Mount Rushmore and uh, outside of yours, probably on most other people's Mount Rushmores as well. Again, he, I have no issue with the undertaker. He was the first person like he would be number five, like undertaker. Well-deserved. His career is amazing. I love the undertaker. Even when he went away from more of the, like the death and funerals to the riding Harleys and the American badass, the American badass. Like he just did. he, He was even able to revolutionize his characters, but still be the same character. Like if you, if that makes sense, he just, yeah. Undertaker's amazing. And I, I have no issue. It was, again, I, I tried to focus on guys who like really changed the landscape of wrestling. That's the only reason is that I had Hogan and, and Andre the Giant had a home soul. Yeah. Uh, my next one would be John Cena. Uh, he He's back Ooh. doing a run now. 16 wow. time. 16-time world champion. It's hard to say, you know, the guys I think got is the got the most titled reigns in history. Hard to not have him out there. And part of what puts John Cena ahead of some others too is who he is as a person in his make-a-wish. He has set a world record for the number of make-a-wish um grantings what do we call it that he has done as well into the 600s he takes whatever time needed out of his own personal schedule to go do these make-a-wish dreams for these for these sick kids i think it's absolutely incredible on that side of things as a person john cena i think is what you see is what you get I, i don't think there's much difference between him in and out of wwe as a wrestler Man, he went from almost being cut to building John Cena to what into from what he was as the the thugonomics into the hustle, loyalty, respect, and polarizing. You love to hate John Cena. At a certain point in time, he wasn't a heel. He was a baby. He's always been a baby face, but the crowd hated him. But they loved him. It was it was such an incredible thing to see. And the fact that, you know, for me, 16-time world champion, I, I gotta put him up on the up on the wall there. And I could add one more thing to John Cena, one of the greatest entrances in WWE history. His entrance, music, and just the whole like everything is electric. Electric. Yeah. Like I I've never like I like John Cena. I've never thought of him quite that high, but I get why you do. I have no issue with him being on your list. He's He is electric and always has been, always will be. And he kind of did it out of nowhere. And yeah. he did it on a time coming on the heels of when WWE really needed that. And, you know, The Rock was on its way out. Stone Cold was gone. It was, you know, The Undertaker was not as prevalent. He kind of came in a time when the WWE needed 
a new face, a new need that fresh blood and yeah. the fresh blood. And he really provided that. So he, he kind of carried WWE in the post, you know, rock Austin. Yeah. Even when triple H wasn't as heavily involved, like wrestling as much, he carried wrestling for a while. So he ushered the WWE in to, from, from the attitude era. Yeah. Kind of a time when it was a little, we don't know what it is. And ushered in the ruthless aggression era of wrestling. And, and Kurt Angle was there. He almost beat Kurt Angle in the first, you know, in his Kurt Angle challenged anyone in the back to come out. And out comes John Cena in these, you know, trunks and crew cut and and <laughs> put on a hell of a show with this unknown kid who was a bodybuilder, right? And it grew from there. And it was pretty incredible. And John Cena, I think. You, you said has one of the best entrances in, in wrestling. And I'm pretty sure we've got the same two remaining for our Mount Rushmore. And I don't think that John Cena is probably third to the next two when it comes to entrances. Cause you yeah. know who it is. Well, let's get to the first one, the glass shattering. Like, Oh yeah. Is there, is there a more iconic, like noise as soon as you hear that glass shatter and uh, the crowd pops and it didn't matter you could hear there were some times where where stone cold steve austin would be on an episode four or five times and you'd hear the glass shatter four or five times and every time it did the crowd went nuts yeah the crowd went nuts i personally believe that stone cold steve austin has the best entrance ever Followed closely by our next our next uh, participant, but to me, Stone Cold Steve Austin became bigger than wrestling, and I actually think he was bigger than The Rock, and he he was a bigger superstar than The Rock because I, I just felt like his rise in the WWE specifically was faster, and their ability to turn him from bad guy to good guy to bad guy to good guy. Have him be the champion, have him lose his microphone abilities. He just commanded the wrestling ring whenever he was in it. He wasn't the greatest wrestler either, but he still, everybody just whenever they were in the ring with him, they were it was just amazing entertainment. The wrestling yeah. was great. The Stone Cold Stutter is probably the greatest finishing move in history of the WWE. Like you still being used seen, today by Kevin Owens. Still being used, like you, you probably five thousand of them we've seen over the course of time, and every time it's the greatest. And you just you're on the edge of your seat waiting for him to do the Stone Cold Stunner to whoever was in the ring with them because it was that amazing. Yeah, and no one sold so, it better than The Rock. Right, like the, there's a thing there. With, <laughs> the Rock used to say he would sell it so over the top every time to try and get a reaction out of Steve. It, the whole thing was to get Austin to break in that. And yeah, like Stone Cold is just not pointing fingers or putting blame, but we were robbed of Austin's career. Yes. And because he had a broken neck due to a pile driver that did, went sideways uh, with Owen Hart, um, accidents happen. I mean, that's why they tell you don't do this at home. Um, yeah. But he, he broke his neck and that really he came back and he couldn't do this, what he could normally do. And every, because of how 
great Austin was and how much everybody loved him. Everyone turned a blind eye to the early arm up in front of the head for the chair shots and things like that. People turned a blind eye to that. People turned a blind eye to the a lot of those things because he was so great. And yeah, the the iconic glass shattering. It was just incredible. Like I think to to me, his is probably one. DX is right up there too with their entrance. Yeah. To me, um, but yeah, Stone Cold. I, I is awesome. Another thing about Stone Cold is every they they clashed him in feuds with the greatest in the industry, and every feud was amazing. Yeah. The the Stone Cold versus Vince McMahon feuds in the Attitude Era. That whole storyline was the greatest storyline in wrestling history. There was oh, Stone Austin Cold Taker. Vince. Yeah, Austin Taker. Stone Cold hitting Vince McMahon with a bedpan in a hospital <laughs> bed. Like, I'm telling you, they, that any feud, that feud was the greatest. But you had Stone Cold versus The Rock, Undertaker, Kane, Triple H. He went Shawn against Michaels, everybody. Shawn Michaels, Kurt Angle, Bret Hart, like everybody. He went against everybody. And every one of those feuds was phenomenal. Like Stone yeah. Cold, to me, Stone Cold is the top of Mount Rushmore. He's my number one. Yeah. He just was that good. And like you said, we unfortunately didn't get to see it as long as we wanted to. Yeah. Like he came back when um, WrestleMania was in Dallas a couple of years ago, two, three years ago, whatever it was. And Kevin Owens was really building. That was the feud there where he and Kevin Owens are going back and forth. And, um, I think Kevin Owens was going to have him on the KO show at WrestleMania and, and all that. And I think Austin was a part of that WrestleMania all throughout the show. But then it got to the point where like, okay, they're in there and he got the, if you want to see me whooping it, whoop his ass, you know, give me a hell. Yeah. And you got all that and everything. It, what? It's still, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's still, I was just going to say that's still being done today. Anytime someone's in the ring that they don't like it's what? What the crowd is just going on and on, and it, it's amazing to see that what influence he had on on wrestling still to this day. It's great. Um, what even the merchandise, like his Austin three sixteen, the Texas rattlesnake, the the yeah. the skeleton face, the like the marketing that they did around Stone Cold Steve Austin was just unbelievable. Like yeah. Hulk Hogan was the first real superstar. Stone Cold is the biggest superstar in terms of straight up wrestling. There's a bigger superstar yeah. that came out of the world that we're going to talk about next. But well, in terms anyway. of straight up WWE superstars, Stone Cold Steve Austin was the biggest. Stone Cold is still relevant and he hasn't had to do the whole wrestling to movie thing. He's done movies, but he's not a movie star. He's been in a few. He had a small role in Grown Ups too. Um, he was in the the new Longest Yard. Uh, he had a couple. They did a couple WWE, you know, studio movies kind of thing where he was in it. But he never made the leap. He doesn't. I don't think he really wanted to. Nor does he have to to stay relevant. And then for Cena and the the Rock, I don't think they're doing it to stay relevant either because they still would be regardless. But that was yeah. their next step. That was their yeah. their next move. So. So Stone Cold Steve Austin was the biggest superstar that the WWE ever had. 
in terms of wrestling only, The Rock is the biggest star that has ever come out of world wrestling entertainment. And yeah. his, his entrance music on like it chills down your spine. Like when that happened on Friday night, he started this conversation because of what happened on Friday night. That crowd pop when you first heard, if you smell, incredible, incredible. The Rock is the biggest star to ever come out of the WWE. He was in the ring, amazing. Yeah. His, he had the attitude, he had the lines, he had the persona, he had the, he had the facial gestures, he had the mannerisms, he had the talent, he had the wrestling ability. He had everything. He had the looks. He had, he's a chiseled human being. He's ridiculously good looking for a man. He's like, he had everything. And he he took his amazing career in the WWE and turned it into a superstar career. He's a global superstar. He's a global Global. superstar. And that's he is like a wrestling side of things. His wrestling was great. He he had the skills. He could do that. He's second, third, no, third generation uh, wrestler. His daughter is now wrestling on NXT. Um, his, his family, the bloodline, they're all his cousins, um, are, are massive in wrestling right now. And I don't know that they maybe get as big a push if it wasn't for The Rock, if they don't come from that that bloodline, as the, the faction is called. Um, but he has turned it into being one of the highest paid actors in the world right now. And almost everything he touches is gold. Not everything is great. I don't recommend going back and watching the tooth fairy. Um, but, uh, <laughs> the guys on touch, like he's just so charismatic and I-, I will die on this hill. I don't think there is anyone better today or past that is better on the mic than the rock hands down i don't think there's anyone that is can comes remotely close to being able to do what he can do on a mic they try people try and it's good but it's not the rock great and that's what every oh absolutely everything even as a heel you loved him because they turned him heel he came out as the baby face rocky mayavia and that didn't really go over well, and people didn't like Rocky Maivia. They were chanting, die, Rocky, die. You know, that's how unpopular <laughs> he was in the beginning. And as soon as he went from being that baby face Rocky to getting in with the, the Nation of Domination and Farouk and D'Lo Brown and Mark Henry, that's when you saw The Rock come forward. And that's where you saw the, the the character and the attitude and everything start to build. It was as a heel. And then as he got bigger, he became babyface again. And he left Nation of Domination and went on to being one of the biggest stars in WWE. And he turned heel again. He was part of the corporation. He was with the McMahons. And, and the back and forth, he went good again. And then he was Evil Rock. And it it was insane. It was just, to me, like the guy has an entire line of clothes with Under Armour. I'm not going to lie. I buy it. 
<laughs> I buy it. I was wearing a Project Rock t-shirt yesterday with the Brahma Bull on it. I got another, that was a yellow one. I got a black one hanging up. I got a Project Rock backpack. I got coats. I like the guy is a global superstar and the rock is a brand. Yes. Like I got Zoa energy drinks in my fridge. Right? Like I I am on Team Rock, and I will always be on Team Rock. He is my. I had I had Lucas on my watching wrestling on Friday night with me. I'm like, this is Daddy's favorite wrestler of all time. Like, <laughs> you will know all about the Rock, right? Like, I'm telling my five month old all about him and making sure he's taking in this moment. Now, not that he understands a second of it, but um, it's awesome, and, and it's an it's an unfortunate thing that's happening, but it's great for wrestling. John Cena and the and Dwayne The Rock Johnson are available to be with WWE right now because of the writer's strike and the actor's strike going on in Hollywood. They got time to kill. Both of those guys are super busy with all, like, The Rock barely ever has a down moment from what you see on uh, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. He's always working. Always working. XFL, movies, TV shows, whatever it is. Terramana, uh, tequila, Zoa Energy Drinks, Under Armour, Project Rock. The guy doesn't stop. So now that he has some moments, we're getting this great opportunity to have him come back and come back, as John Cena said, home. You welcomed him home on yeah. Friday night there. And that it's just awesome. Like for me, it doesn't get old when the old guys come back and I will always enjoy it. And I absolutely enjoy it every second of Friday night when with The Rock being back. I also have a soft spot for The Rock because, well, he played for my Calgary Stampeders for a very brief time before ever becoming even remotely famous. The only small criticism I have against The Rock, the wrestler, is finishing moves. His finishing moves were nowhere near as good as some of the other ones out there. The people's elbow is corny. Does it get the crowd going? Absolutely. Absolutely, it does. Do you know how the that came around, though? It's corny. No, I don't. I'm sure I do, but I don't remember. So it was a match that he and Triple H were going to have. And it was like kind of like, let's do the dumbest thing we can do and see what happens. And that was, well, maybe not the dumbest thing, but it was just like, however they worded it, what it came about was, let's do something that is just somewhat ridiculous and see what happens. And that was the people's yeah. elbow. That was the giving them the rock bottom in the middle of the ring or the spine buster, and then kicking the arms in, flinging the elbow pad side to side and dropping the elbow. The crowd blew up, and the crowd continued to blow up bigger and bigger and bigger yeah. every time he did it. That's how the move came to be. It was just more of like a let's do something silly, ridiculous, and see what happens. Yeah. The crowd loved it. Well, and his, like, taking the guy's arm, this side, kicking it against his body, and then lifting his head up, ripping the elbow pad up, like, that got the crowd going, but pretty corny, if you ask me. And the rock bottom, in comparison to other finishing moves, like, to me, it was, like, the Stone Cold Stunner was a finishing move. That was a legit, like, something a little bit different type finishing move. I just felt like it when it came to that, it was my only critique of the rock and criticism of the rock is his finishing moves weren't near as good as some of the others in that time frame. Like, you know, uh, the tombstone, the pedigree, sweet chin like, music. Yeah. I wasn't a huge fan of sweet chin music. It was, it just kind of was like, it wasn't as good as some of the, the other ones out at that time. The choke slams were awesome. 
I just felt like he was missing that, but his ability to sell the people's elbow and have the crowd goes well, it didn't matter. Yeah. But just in terms of straight up, you know, wrestling was all about finally doing that big move to defeat your opponent. His that move just wasn't as impressive as some of the other wrestlers I think in that time frame. But the way he sold it was so much better yeah. than anybody else that it didn't matter. Well, see, that's the difference. Like, you knew it was over when he did that. Like, you knew it, right? You look at, like, we talked about the leg drop of Hulk Hogan. Like, that, there was no there showmanship to that. <laughs> there was no, there was no, no showmanship. It was like, I'm going to run across and I'm going to run and I'm going to drop a leg on you. Right. Like there was nothing to it. It's no different than macho man's flying elbow from the, yeah from the cor- top corner, but he sold it. Like he knew it was, it was the showmanship that went into the move, not necessarily the technical ability of the move. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's why he gets away with it. I'm just saying yeah. straight up, like finish, like mortal Kombat finish him. Type <laughs> yeah. Move. yeah. It was nowhere near as good as some of the other ones. So, yeah. So, those are our single wrestlers. I kind of mentioned it to you. Like I had to do a factions one because there was too many guys. I This was my workaround to get some of the honorable mentions onto a Mount Rushmore. So for me, my factions Mount Rushmore, I'm going to start off with probably my number four on that list. And that's the brood. Now the brood, if you remember, wow. was Gangrel, Christian and Edge. And the reason I put the brood on the Mount Rushmore is because it gave us Christian and Edge to like one of the best. When you think at the tag team division, Christian and Edge as a tag team, they'd be at the top of that Mount Rushmore as well. They'd be at the top of that list. The Hardys would be on that list as well for tag team. But that's why the brood is there because it gave us them and it showed Edge and Christian's character development from the beginning to these like fam- vampire goth guys to what they became, the rated R superstar for Edge. Um, that's why they're there for me. Um, the Hart Foundation, they're on the list. They have to, like Bret Hart, Owen they Hart, have to be. Jim the Advil Neidhart, um, British Bulldog. Like the Hart Foundation was was great. Um, one you might not Don't be familiar it. with. Jimmy, Jimmy Melf of the South came yeah. with the Hart Foundation. Jimmy Hart, yeah. Jimmy Hart, yep. Um, one that you might may or may not be as familiar with because you haven't been into it for la- as much as I have the last little bit, but the bloodline. Roman Reigns, the Usos, uh, Sami Zayn for a little while, Paul Heyman, uh, Solo Sokoa. What they've done over the last few years to draw people into the story, to getting them to watch a Monday Night Raw or um, Friday Night SmackDown because of the storyline that's going on with it. Roman being the undisputed champion and carrying both belts uh, for the longest time. And just the stories that go into it and how they keep developing and how it keeps going, even though like now it's like the breakup of the bloodline and Jimmy and Jey Uso splitting as a tag team, they're twins. And one's now on Monday night raw and the other's on SmackDown. And, you know, how are they going to Jimmy turned on Jay during a match against Roman? And it's incredible. The storyline with that, like that's the one where, my wife is like, what's happening with the bloodline? Where's Jimmy? Where's Jay? Like, it, it's getting <laughs> non-wrestling people to watch and pay attention when they do see it because it's been such a great storyline. So the bloodline for me is there on that one. And I think the number one faction for me of all time will always be 
you want to talk about iconic entrance music, there is almost it's a one A, one B, one C, one D when it comes to entrance music for some of these guys. You talk about Generation X. My God, these guys were just amazing at what they could do to just get under everybody's skin. Um, I, I remember watching something recently where Triple H talked about how the USA Network said, hey, it's getting out of control. Like, DX cannot say this, that, this, th- you know, and everything else under the sun at all on the show. Otherwise, we're going to drop you. And then it, so it became, well, you can't say this, this, and this between uh, in the first hour. In the second hour, well, you can say this, this, and this, but you can't say this, this, and this, and this. And the third hour, okay, when the littler kids might be more in bed or whatever, you get a little more free reign. So they had the press conference, like almost like a presidential style, like, we will not say that bleep, 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 <laughs> just to push buttons. And the USA Network loved it. They thought it was great. But D-Generation X will all, like, kids are still doing the DX chop today, and they have no clue where it's coming from. Like, that's how influential it is. Like, we all grew up thinking we're going to get kicked out of school or suspended for doing the DX chop. But they just probably one of the best factions there was. And well, and a bigger around. part of it is they had two of the best wrestlers in wrestling history as part of that faction that we didn't even have to talk about. Triple H and Shawn Michaels. Absolutely. Like, those are two of the biggest names in wrestling history. Oh, Shawn Michaels is one of, of my favorites too. Yeah, Shawn Michaels could easily be on Mount Rushmore. Absolutely. They were they were part of this. So not only did they have the entrance music, they had the the living on the edge, like pushing the boundaries. They had two of the greatest um, wrestlers in history. And they had, you want to talk about great entrance music? Probably my favorite tag team entrance, the New Age Outlaws. Yeah. Like they were the greatest tag teams in history as part of D-Generation X. Like, oh, you didn't know? Like, you just know exactly. As soon as you hear that, like you got, you know, Jesse James and Badass Billy Gunn, Mr. Ass, whatever you want to call him. Like, it was just like, the DX was it. I didn't, like, when I was watching wrestling as a kid, well, as a kid, I guess, as university, yeah. and then DX came I actually didn't like DX, but I I liked DX. Like, I hated DX, but I got what it was. And yeah. You're right. Like, greatest factions ever. One of the greatest tag teams ever with the New Age Outlaws. Absolutely. Well, so. China, X-Pac, right? Yeah. Like, China used to wrestle men. That, that doesn't happen, right? Like, it was just a completely different time. And, um, you know, you look at the the way it's gone, too. Like, another honorable mention, Trish Stratus should probably be up on an honorable mention. China, for, uh, you know, if you want to talk, we didn't do a, a women's wrestling um, Mount Rushmore. But, Lita. you know, even just in the general Mount Rushmore, China and Trish Stratus and, and Lita and some of these other women who... Really, like, there were female wrestlers in the diva division that were there because they brought a physical look to the that was appealing to the crowd, right? But they couldn't wrestle worth a damn. Rory Wilson, Stacy Keebler. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you look at the Trish Stratuses, the Lita's, the the Chinas, Becky Lynch today, Rhea Ripley. They can wrestle. Right. And it's different now. The women's division is about wrestling, not just who can we put out there in the skimpiest outfit and call it wrestling. It's changed. And it's because of the women that came from this time. Yeah. 
can't dispute any of that. Ken, that was that was a boatload of fun. I, actually, we ran way longer on that than we probably should have. <laughs> uh, why don't we quickly jump into some Jays and flights, Blue Jays talk? We got a. I think we're both pretty unhappy with where we're at. So let's um, let's let's quickly talk about the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm gonna rip them a new one while I'm wearing a Jays hat. I'm still a fan. I'm still supporting the team, but my God, it. This has got to be again, and I don't know why it's it's the same BS over and over again. Barely trying to scrape in at the end of the season when they probably shouldn't have had to. But I'm gonna say it like this: team Shapiro and Atkins have to go, and if that means the entire managerial staff goes as well, then so be it. I was all about giving John Schneider the benefit of the doubt and giving him that opportunity to go. But it's not working. And Guillermo Martinez, the hitting coach, my God, like some of these guys, it's just, it's brutal. The whole analytics piece of it too, I was reading on X, you know, formerly Twitter, about how the analytics is so much their bag and being passed on to the players that like Matt Chapman apparently is, if he reads the reports, he's going to go off the reports. And teams are knowing that the Jays are so analytics driven that if they they'll throw a guy a, a two-two pitch right down the can because they know they're expecting something else. Matt Chapman was a perfect example of there, and he watches a strike right down the middle in a key situation, and he can't hit worse shit right now. And it this team, there needs to be something done. There, I, I can't get behind an organization that tells is trying to say that. Alejandro Kirk is a major league ball ball player. I'm sorry, I can't. I can't do it. I it, I've never been big on Kirk. If he had come in in that first year where he came up and you know did good and was a flash in the pan because that's all he is. That was the pan getting hot. If he had come in and shape into camp for the last two seasons or whatever, okay, then I might be a little bit more of an Alejandro Kirk fan. But if he has to hit what would be for a, a normal batter, a triple just to get a double. That's a problem. He, he's an automatic out when he tries to turn a, or hit a double. We saw it last night again, or whatever night it was, the guy, what should be a, a, a stand-up double for anyone else. He gets tossed out. He needs to have double power to get a single. Otherwise he can throw him out from left field. It's a joke. Like Vladdy came in younger in his career. He was out of shape. He wasn't, major league baseball ready for everyday play, but he got himself in shape and he's turned things around and he's been doing, he's been playing good. He, you know, maybe not doing as what everyone expects him to do. Everyone wants him to hit a thousand home runs a season, but defensively at first, he's good. He saves Bo Bichette's ass numerous times, but I'm just tired of this organization's mediocrity and getting in just to get swept in the, in the wildcard games. It I, it has to change the whole Alec Manoa situation. Um, I don't know who bungled that one more, the team or Manoa, because they sent him down and apparently he got pissy about it and didn't report and all that kind of thing. And I don't know, whatever it is, figure it out. You're all adults. Get over it. Alec, you were pitching like shit. You deserved a demotion. Own it. If that's the case, if not, if you're hurt, then say it. But everyone else is just saying, oh, he's just not ready to pitch right now. The confidence isn't there. 
well, then you don't deserve to be on a major league roster. You probably don't deserve to be on a triple-A roster. Figure it out. Because I'm tired of watching this team just blow it at the end of the season. What What's become like the biggest frustration for me? And I actually put this out on Twitter a couple weeks ago that I have deemed this to be the biggest disappointment in a Jays season, maybe ever. Maybe ever. This team lacks so much excitement. They lack so much passion. Yet this team is so good. They're, they have a top five rotation and bullpen in all of baseball. They have the starting pitching. They have the relief pitching. Now Jordan Romano gets a little, uh, it's a little more interesting than I'd like sometimes. <laughs> but they have the pitching to be at the top of the AL East. They, in my opinion, they have the hitting to be in the top of the AL East. But this team, for some reason, cannot put it all together all at one time. We finally get the bats going out on the latest road trip where I think we ended up going 10-5 and five against a bunch of sub-500 teams. Not bad. You'll take it. They were scoring six, seven, eight runs a game. The bats finally get going. Then they come back and they face the Texas Rangers and the bats go cold, but then the pitching goes cold. The bullpen went cold. They got outscored like 40 to 10 in that like four game series, getting swept at home in the biggest game of the the biggest series of the year. To me, the pitching coach, or not the pitching coach, the hitting coach, uh, Guillermo Martinez, epic failure. And you alluded to it. They are so reliant on the analytics that it's become easy to pitch to them because you, it's almost like just go, go opposite of what the analytics say. Let these guys be baseball players. Let these guys use their natural talent to hit the baseball. You can give them, sure, you can give them tendencies, but to build a game plan and the top, and the entire line of one through nine has the same game plan, well, that makes it easy to pitch to. Yeah. Go against the tendencies, and chances are they won't be looking for it. Crazy to me. A team that features George Springer, Bobachette, Vlad Guerrero Jr., these guys shouldn't be having problems hitting home runs. This team struggles to hit home runs. Yeah. They are not going to have a 30 home run guy on this team. That's it. It's insane. Roger Center, they made it smaller, and the home runs have dried up. They made Roger Center smaller. They're not going to have a 30 home run guy. That's in, that's that's insane to me. Well, to, to quote a you line from Al- Princess Bride, it's inconceivable. It's inconceivable. You mentioned Alejandro Kirk. Alejandro Kirk should be a 15 home run guy. He's got six this year. Six. Like that's that Kevin Kiermeyer has more home runs than Alejandro Kirk. That's 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 insane to me. Like Kevin Kirk. Or Alejandro Kirk, he's not a power hitter, but there's no way he should only have six home runs. Vlad's only got 24, and he's hit home runs in three straight games to get there. At least he's going to get his 100 RBIs. Bo's only got 18. Chapman, oh, man, like, don't even give me started on Matt Chapman. Most guys in a, he's, got, he's doing the opposite of having a, a contract season. Which was so funny because at the start of the year, he was on fire. In April, May, he was hitting like 400 and a doubles machine. And he has been just 
awful for the last four months of the season. Yeah. And like he's been a big disappointment. Dalton Varshow offensively has been a bit of a disappointment. George Springer's been a disappointment. Bo's been a disappointment. Well, one of the only ones that hasn't been a disappointment is Whit Merrifield. Like yeah. he's he's actually probably been to where he should be. It just there's something wrong with the offense of this team. When you're having to have triple A'ers come up to reignite your offense, you know, Davis Schneider, Ernie Clement, that's sad. Yeah. That's it, sad. The big thing with this team is they can't they couldn't spell clutch if it was on the big screen and they're all standing at home plate staring at it. They're hitting like two hundred with the bases loaded this year. Ah, I'm As surprised it's that high. I'm surprised it's that high. Yeah, I, I read something and I we were talking about it beforehand and I don't feel differently than I do about it a little bit, but the Yankees have won like I don't know how many in a row right now. They uh they they've clawed themselves, I believe, out of last. Boston now is uh two games behind them. The Yankees trail the Blue Jays by six games. And they're hot right now. They're winning games. The Yankees have won three in a row. They're playing better ball. Funny what happens when you get rid of Josh Donaldson, I guess. Um, (laughs) But, you know, the Jays have six games coming up against the New York Yankees. Over the remaining 13, 14 games they have this season. I think it's 13 games. Six of those are against the Yankees. Uh, the remaining seven, I think, six are against Tampa Bay, and they may have a makeup game built in there against someone else. Tampa Bay is 10 games ahead of the Blue Jays. That's a lot tougher than the uh, schedule than the Yankees have coming up. The Yankees, I think, unfortunately, as much as it absolutely pains me and hates me to say it, have a legitimate chance to push the Jays for that wild card spot outside of having to fend off also the Seattle Mariners and Texas Rangers, and they're not going to catch Tampa. So you're now fighting it out against Texas, Seattle, and New York, who you have to face. I, I This team does not give you the sense that they can do it. And to me, that's a huge problem. My biggest disappointment about this season so far is this is a team that probably should be winning the division. This is a team that probably should be a World Series contender. They've got the pitching. They've got the defense. The thing that we probably thought of heading into the season, the least of that we thought would be a worry would be the offense. And the offense has been just horrific. And... I have no confidence that even if they do make the playoffs, that they'll even win a game. Like if they end up having to play Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay in the first round, they're done. Yeah. The only saving grace, the only saving grace is they may get to play Minnesota. And they have, at least in my opinion, a fighting chance against Minnesota in a potential quick series. But I don't have any confidence that this team can, in the final 13 games, miraculously put all of it together because they haven't done that the first 149 games. At yeah. no point this season have they had the pitching, defense, and offense going at the same time. 
They've quite often had two of the three going, but never three of the three. And there is nothing that tells me in the next 13 games, and if they make the playoffs, then probably 15 games, that tells me that they're going to put it together and miraculously be able to do something, even though this team is built to win a World Series. I will die on that ill. This team should be a World Series contender. You've got a top pitching staff in baseball. You've got a top bullpen in baseball. Yet they lack something, this desire, this care, this passion. Maybe it's because of John Schneider. I don't know. I was willing to give the benefit. I remember you and I were so happy when, when he took over last year. We were so happy. And the crazy thing is, is he's managed the team to like 30 games above 500 in his tenure yet. I don't think he's the answer. I honestly don't. And I, if the Blue Jays miss the playoffs this year, I think you are going to see a front office and manager coaching staff shakeup where it is going to be wiped out. I think the yeah. only guy who is saved is Pete Walker. And I think outside of that, you are going to see if they miss the playoffs. If they make it, then they might be spared. If they miss the playoffs, you are going to see a massive shakeup. Yeah, Matt it, Chapman's it, a, a free agent. I could care less if Matt Chapman's back. I honestly could. I know everybody was like, you got to sign him, got to sign him. I'm not on that boat. He just he offers so little offensively right now that I feel like you can get replacement level for him for a hell of a lot cheaper. His defense uh, he, is great. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, I think he's cashing that check before he got it, and that's you, you can see. Like he didn't want to sign it because he was expecting to go out there and be able to sign a like two two hundred fifty million dollar contract, and I don't think anyone's going to give him anything remotely close to that now. It, one of the things, one things that's scary for me is two of the guys you probably have met expectation this year with Maryfield and Kevin Kiermaier. They both are probably gone next year. Yeah, like that's that's worrisome. The only good thing is that the pitching staff is intact for next year. And if you can somehow figure out that Alec Manoa situation and he returns to the starter he was, then all of a sudden you're in okay shape. But just so disappointing. This entire season to me has been the most disappointing Blue Jays baseball season, maybe ever, maybe ever, because this team should be winning having an ability to win a World Series, and they are so far away from that. Oh, yeah. Like, their home record is 40-34. and 34. Their road record is 42-33. and 33. Not horrible, but... The road record's that, phenomenal. Tampa Bay at home is 50-25 and 25 and 42-33 and 33 on the road. You gotta win those games at home. Right? Like, that 50-25 record is insane. Even Baltimore is 44-30 and 30 at home. Yeah, not great. Good teams. They're on the road. Like they, that's, at least that's fourteen games above five hundred on the road. The Jays aren't that. No, that's at home. Baltimore's at. Home I mean, sorry, I mean at home. Yeah. The Jays aren't that. Like, like the Jays went July and August, two months where they won one home series. Yeah. That's it. That's mind boggling. Mind boggling. And, and how many of those were listless efforts where they managed, they lost, let's say, 3-1, a great pitching, and they got one one run on six hits. 
Yeah. How many times have we seen that lineup put up a zero, a one, or a two on five hits, three hits, four hits, seven hits, nine hits? Yeah. There was a stat on the ball game last night where the Jays were about to have their 10th game in a row of 10 hits or less. Like that, that's incredible. Yeah. It's frustrating. And even if they get into the playoffs, it'll be the same as last year when they played the Mariners and got swept. It, like, it's no different. It, it's the same thing. We always hope for something different with the Jays, but we never get it. And that's the thing. The, we never get it. The, the disappointing thing about this year is for once, they actually have the pitching to go to for the team to be good. And then all of a sudden the, the offense dries up. Like yep. offense has not been a problem for the last five years. We didn't have the pitching. Finally, we get the pitching and the offense shits the bed. And it's just like, ah, and you're getting <laughs> pitching out of Yusei Kikuchi. Like, <laughs> He's been the best. That's it, all, it's, it's always like you say, Kikuchi, I say, no, thank you. But this year he's been good. It's so frustrating. It's, it's unbelievable. So just frustrating. We yeah. finally have a team. Like we're dying for something here, Blue Jays. We're dying. It's been 93, 30 years since we won the World Series. We've won like a handful of playoff games in 30 years. Yeah. Give us something. And we finally have a team. They're so well-rounded heading into the season. Defense, pitching. Sure, the offense is going to go back a little bit, but you didn't think it was going to be like six hits a game bad. And it's just, for fuck's sakes, give us more. Yeah. But hey, go Jays. Yeah. (laughs) I haven't given up faith. I'm just frustrated beyond belief because I've seen so many lackluster efforts in the last three months. Uh, One run on six hits. It's just lackluster. And then that Texas series came through and they wiped the floor with us. And And that's playoff baseball. That is playoff baseball right there. They wiped the floor with us. We weren't even, we didn't even have a lead in that series. And they lost by eight runs and 10 runs. It was just like this biggest kick in the nuts that I've had in the longest time watching the Blue Jays. And thank God they've gone into Cleveland now, the Texas Rangers, and they can't win there. And they've managed to let us off the hook, so we might make it again. But, ah, just maddening, maddening. Yeah. Who knows? They're probably down by 17 right now. I think they were up one nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Woo, on 17 hits, right? Left the bases loaded eight times. Well, but yeah, go Jays. Hashtag next level of frustration. They always left that little piece out there at the end of next level of frustration. Well, let us know what you think. Let us know what you think of our WWE wrestling Mount Rushmore. Um, do you agree? Do you disagree? Who would you have on there? Let us know. Uh, and Blue Jays fans, are you feeling it as much as we are? Are we potentially overreacting, or no. are you feeling it as well? It, it can't. We can't just be us. Everyone's got to be a little frustrated with this. Um, let us know again. Trevor's at the BleacherCon one. I'm at the BleacherCon two. Like I said, we got a lot of stuff coming up again. We're gonna have you know CFL playoffs coming up. We're gonna have hockey starting up. We got. Uh, we're going to be on double-digit hockey with John East Hope again uh, pretty quick here 
doing a pre or a regular season preview show with him for the NHL. Uh, make sure to check out check that out when it comes out. We'll let you know when and where. Uh, we always look forward to that. John's a great guy to sit down and talk hockey with. Always have lots of fun. But that's our show for this week. I want to thank everyone for tuning in, and we will 99% sure talk to you again in a week. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> don't, don't hold me to any commitments, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everyone. <laughs>